Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Overcoming narcissism and healing from emotional abuse are so important to your mental health and to living a life of freedom, confidence, and peace. Today, we're going to be talking to Carrie Miller about red flags, narcissistic relationships, NLP, and a bunch of other really exciting other stuff. But before we start, I want to brainstorm ways that I can help ease your healing journey. Imagine you're standing on a cliff, and on the other side of a deep canyon is the life that you dream of, a partner who connects with you, supports you, loves you, empowers you, makes you laugh, makes you smile, a life filled with freedom and confidence and peace and unwavering happiness. I've been where you are now, standing on the edge of the cliff, dreaming of that life, and I've built the bridge between where you are now and that dream life that seems so far away. Let me walk you across that bridge and literally hand you the life of your dreams. It's possible. I've walked this path with thousands of survivors who live a free, confident, and peaceful life now. Let's walk this path together. Don't waste any more time feeling worthless or exhausted. Schedule a free call with me today at Schedule a Call with Marissa. It's exactly how it sounds. Schedule a call with Marissa.com. Welcome back to Healing from Emotional Abuse. Today, I have on Carrie Miller. Carrie Miller is a licensed massage therapist and a trained NLP neuro linguistic programming practitioner, which is awesome, uh, who specializes in helping women find themselves after narcissistic relationships. As a survivor herself, she was trapped in narcissistic, toxic relationships for 23 years, one with her high school sweetheart and another long-term relationship a little bit later. And she'll get more into that as we go. Today, we're going to chat about her story, how she overcame her abuse and started healing and building confidence, and what she does to help other survivors overcome narcissism. Hi, Carrie. Welcome on. I'm so excited to have you today. Hi, Marissa. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. We're so happy to have you. I love NLP. I think that it's so interesting, so I definitely want to dive into that later. But would you mind telling us your story? Sure. I dated my high school sweetheart for a total of six years. We were married for almost four. Didn't start out as, a, uh, as an abusive relationship. He was basically my knight in shining armor. You know, He treated me well. He opened my doors. He, he did things that no other guy ever did. And just fell head over heels. The longer in the relationship we went, things happened. Red flags. I thought I was so in love that, you know, I can overlook those things. Once we got married, things really started to change. And I'm not even sure where, you know, a time frame, but telling me th that I couldn't do things because I couldn't, I wouldn't make any money or, you know, all of my friends sucked and, you know, didn't like anybody I was with, you know, or that I hung around with. 
so just start, started distancing myself from those people because my husband didn't like them. It's what I was supposed to do, right? Couldn't have any male friends because all they wanted to do was get in my pants, you know, and just bashed me for all of the male friends I had. And my best friend, thank God she was still my best friend. Um, we went through a rough patch, but my best friend from first grade, I don't like her. You can't hang around her. I gave up my best friend since first grade for him. It's my husband. He's telling me I can't hang around these people. Like I have to listen to him, right? You know, and all of the things he was telling me and just the self-confidence stuff just, you know, went in the toilet. And you don't even realize it when it's happening. Couldn't keep a job for, for two years because of the things that were going on in the relationship. He had this way of always turning things around to, on, onto me and being my fault. I caught him going through some of my stuff, my personal stuff one day. So I was questioning him about it. Well, two minutes in, all of a sudden, it's my fault. We're arguing about something else. Totally took the spotlight off of himself. He wanted to be a state trooper. So he's really great at interrogation tactics and turning things around and used it on me all the time. Broke up with me several times. I always took him back. He had a really good way of hoovering me back in, that whole sucking you back in thing. He would go out with his friends. Because, you know, by this time, I didn't have any friends. He would go out with his friends, leave me home, wouldn't come home all night long. I'm walking out the door to go to work the next day and he's coming home and thought that that was okay. Wasn't financially helping with anything. Um, I remember one instance where we moved into a new apartment and had to buy some furniture. So I, I went out and I bought a matching table, sofa back table to put in our entranceway. He got so upset with me over that. He went out and he bought a $7,000 motorcycle and didn't tell me and thought that was okay. He had this look that he, he always gave me that I always knew that, oh, I'm in trouble now. Wait, you know, and it's like, wait till we get home. And then I was in for it. He just, he had this way of talking that didn't sound like he was talking down to you. He had me convinced that my parents were the, the worst parents in the world. We talked about having kids, you know, and he's like, well, just look at the way your mom raised you. Why would you want to have kids? You'll be, you know, you'll raise them just like your mom did. And yeah, just, it was unbelievable the things that he would say and had me convinced of. So, you know, I started distancing myself from my parents thinking, you know, oh my God, he's right. They're so bad. I, I'm the way I am because of them, you know, and without me even realizing it, isolating me from people and family. And the only people that we would ever go see would be his family. I, and, you know, I just, after the third time of taking him back and the staying out all night and not telling me where he was at and who he, what he was doing and who he was with. And um, I had just had enough. I was tired of feeling like crap and, and being alone. And so I finally said, I'm done. He tried to hoover me back in and came and crawled on his, literally on his knees crying, please don't leave me. I love you. And, you know, trying to have these big crocodile tears down his face. And I just looked at him and I'm like, no, I'm done. You had your chance. <laughs> you, you don't want me. I'm not going to let you continue to treat me this way. And then shortly after that, started the second relationship. This is something that I normally don't do. I, was, I started dating somebody that I work with. Being lonely and just coming out of a bad relationship after six years and not getting any attention. And then all of a sudden getting that great attention again from somebody else. And ended up spending 16 years with this man. We moved in together after two years. 
not long after we started living together, he would say things just to get a reaction out of me, which was out of the ordinary for him because it's not something he had did when we were just dating. And it wasn't all the time. And it just kind of progressively got worse from there. Once in a while, he'd call me a name. He'd get real, so angry at me over, over silly things and call me a name. And I'm like, okay, it's just because he's angry. No big deal. Over the years, it progressively got worse. Would make, make me believe that the way I remembered things happening didn't actually happen. The gaslighting was unreal. Making me think that I, I'm crazy for feeling the way I was feeling, for thinking the way I was thinking, you know, being told you're too sensitive, you know, just get over it, telling me, oh, you're overweight, you need, you need to start working out. So I start working out, and then he tells me, oh, you can't work out in the house, you're going to wear a hole in the rug. So I, I would go and work out in the barn on the cement floor, and then could only do that for a while because then my back would hurt so bad I could hardly walk. Um, you know, I just made my life so difficult made sure that I was paying for things more than he was. So I was always financially living paycheck to paycheck. I was laid off at one point on unemployment and our agreement was I would pay for the groceries every month. And, you know, being on unemployment, you don't have a ton of money to go for a month, you know, and I would come home with this little bit of groceries and he's like, well, just because you're on unemployment doesn't mean I have to eat like a pauper. So I would have to spend my entire unemployment check on food for him so he could eat like a king. Just he would, I would clean the house and he'd come behind me and redo it all because I didn't do it good enough the first time. Move my stuff and not tell me. Just things to make you really feel like you were, you're crazy. I know I put this here. Where did it go? You know, and all of a sudden it's, you know, on the dresser in the bedroom. It seems so simplistic when when I'm talking about it and so well, that doesn't sound like abuse, but all of the things that he did that added up over the years and the progression of it and the things he, he said and the looks on his face when he said it and the last four years of our relationship, every time we got in a fight, it was, fuck you, you, you know, you're, you know, you stupid train or you stupid idiot. You're such a twat. You, you know, just the name calling got worse. The, the swearing at you got worse. I'm his wife, but he tells me you don't just get respect. You have to earn respect. So basically he was telling me, I have no respect for you, even though you're my wife. The ghosting, he was really good at that. He ghosted me once for eight days in totally not a, a look, a sound, a word, nothing. Um, acted like I didn't even exist for eight days. And you were in the same house? In the same house. Oh my God. Yep. Um, I never knew what I was going to come home to, if he was going to be in a good mood, a bad mood, and, or anything in between. I walked on eggshells for eight to 10 years of our relationship because you couldn't piss him off. If the house wasn't clean when he came home, he blew a gasket. You know, and if it wasn't clean to his specifications. How did you get out? What did you do? The breaking point for me in that relationship was at this point, he was, he was sleeping on the couch every night and I was sleeping in the bedroom and he worked kind of a second shift swing shift. So when he got home at 11, 12 o'clock at night, he'd stay up until two, three o'clock in the morning and then sleep until 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And we had a dog. So he's in the living room sleeping on the couch and I'm in the bathroom. The dog is outside barking. 
he wakes up because of the dog barking, comes to the bathroom, punches open the door, it slams into the curio cabinet. I, I can't believe the glass didn't break. And the look of rage, the complete look in his stance, I was trapped in this bathroom with this man so enraged, I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna hit me. I thought he was gonna beat me because the dog was barking and I woke him up. And the words that just came out of his mouth. I couldn't believe he was talking to me that way. And the with the look on his face in I don't know why he walked away and he didn't come into the bathroom. He let me out. I grabbed the dog and I went to my parents' house. In that day, I asked my parents, if I divorce him, can I move in? And they said, absolutely. And I said, I'm bringing the dog with me. Is that okay? <laughs> and they said, yes. That's that a non-negotiable. Was, that was a non-negotiable, <laughs> yeah. My dog is coming with me. I'm not leaving him here with this guy. I will never forget the look on his face that day. And I have always said, I will never be one of those women that a guy will hit. And I, I wasn't going to stick around to find out if that's where that was going. My self-confidence and my self-esteem was zip. I don't know how I survived afterwards maintaining a life. I felt like I, I was this big, I was the worst person on earth. No one's ever going to love me for me. I always have to change to make people, you know, so that people will love me. And when I change, that's not even good enough. Just this whole perfectionist persona that I was trying to put together was never good enough. During our relationship, I turned to alcohol to cope because I never knew what I was going to come home to. And it was easier to deal with it if I was buzzed, um, you know, drinking four or five bottles of wine a week. I became a workaholic because I didn't want to come home. I'd leave for work as soon as early as possible. And I'd stay at work as late as possible because I didn't want to, didn't want to be there with them. I was able to save up enough money to pay for a, a lawyer it took about three months. And, and then uh, I, I told him, I says, I'm done. I'm walking away. In, in that conversation, he called me the narcissist. Of course he did. <laughs> the narcissist will never admit they're a narcissist. <laughs> exactly. I've forgiven him. And I, have, I didn't do it for him. I did it for me. I'm all about forgiveness being for the survivor and not for the abuser, right? We forgive so that we let go because holding on to it doesn't serve us in a positive way at all. And it doesn't impact our abuser or our narcissist. It's literally just holding us back. So can you talk about maybe what you did that helped you forgive him and move forward? Or, or if there was any, like, if there's a tip you can give, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so even before I, I filed for divorce, I knew that there had to be something better that I can't live like this. So I started doing guided meditations. And one of the ones that I used to listen to every day was uh, Doreen Virtue in cutting the cords, in, you know, calling the, the angels down and, and going through this. It was like, I don't know, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 minute guided meditation to cut these cords. So I did that a lot and that really helped. I did a lot of Louise Hayes stuff from Hay House you know, looking in the mirror and telling myself, I love you. You're perfect the way you are. You know, just a lot of that type of stuff. I think that took me a couple of years, just knowing that it was still eating at me. And, and it's not even so much that I forgave him. 
to let it go for my healing, I had to forgive myself more for letting myself get sucked into all of that and not knowing that what was going on wasn't healthy. I think that's more important for healing is, is the forgiving yourself versus the, the forgiving the, the abuser from my perspective anyway. I agree a hundred percent. Was there like a feeling that you had when you forgave yourself and forgave him? Did you have a, like a divine feeling or anything when that happened? Yeah, I think there was more of a lighter feeling, which kind of progressed into the feeling happier and allowing myself to feel happy, you know, not feeling guilty for feeling happy. And I think once I finally forgave myself for allowing this to happen and twice, you know, for, for so long, I was finally able to get into a new relationship in a healthy relationship and, and see the things that weren't supposed to happen versus the things that are supposed to happen. I think when we get stuck in that, that wallowing of that victim mentality, we're so stuck on all of the things that have happened. That's all we see in order to get beyond seeing that and, and experiencing that stuff is, is the self-forgiveness and then the forgiving the abuser and saying, I am no longer going to allow that to control me or my life. I want to move on beyond that. I want to laugh and I want to smile. I deserve to be happy. I'm worthy of happiness. I'm going to cry. <laughs> and just realizing that I never even knew narcissism existed until I was almost over with the second relationship and that it is so prevalent in the world. In the work that you do, in, in the work that all, all these other people are doing to help these people help you know, through the, the verbal and emotional abuse is so wonderful. I never knew that that stuff existed until I got into the healing portion of it. And even six years after leaving that relationship, still feeling the unworthiness, I, you know, of not even, I don't deserve to be loved. I'm not perfect. I have to be perfect before anybody will love me. That still is cycling in the background in your unconscious mind. I thank God that I found this lady who was my business mentor for massage therapy, my, my massage therapy business. She's a NLP master trainer. And I went through her class and became certified in NLP. And the breakthrough that I have had with the techniques from NLP to release all of those unconscious beliefs about myself that were installed from somebody else has just been phenomenal. That's incredible. You don't even realize the self-sabotaging habits you have because it's so habitual that even in my new relationship, you know, I'm like, I feel like this is going down that same road. Even though it's, it's healthy and we're happy, I feel like there's, there's something wrong. And why is that? If I'm happy and, and we have a healthy relationship, why does, why does it feel like something's wrong? Get past that honeymoon phase in it starts to get, it starts to get normal, you know, normal or mundane, or, you know, you, you get used to, you get into your rhythm and your, your habits with each other or whatever. And you start putting on weight and you get a little lax and, you know, doing all that stuff. And that's what, you know, was happening with me. It was, you know, I'm turning back to wine and, and starting to put on the weight and, and eating food, you know, and that was the other thing is I, I turned to food. Oh my God. 
Um. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just like, there's something going on here and I can't figure it out. I, you know, I started working out twice a day for three months and didn't lose a single pound. Wow. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is not right. And that's not long after that, I found the NLP and, and had a breakthrough session with Rebecca and uh, come to find out, you know, my, my breakthrough session was her, with her was, I can't lose weight. No matter what I do, I can't lose weight. Well, it came down to, that was just a symptom of, I felt unworthy of love. I have to be perfect to be loved and filling it with food that, and I didn't even realize I was doing this. I would eat every meal. I would eat so much. I would eat till I almost puked Wow. and not, not even realizing it. I'm not full until I want, I'm almost puking because I want to fill that void inside of, of not loving or being loved or not even loving myself with food. I had my breakthrough session with her and within two months, I think it was two or three months. I can't remember. I lost 16 pounds Wow! just by saying, you know, just by releasing that unconscious belief, I no longer need food to fill the void inside me. Even the realization of knowing that's what you're doing is huge. Bringing the unconscious to the conscious, you know, bringing awareness to it. Everything we do all day long, 95% of our actions are habitual. They're unconsciously done. So unconsciously eating to the point of puking at every meal and then realizing, wait a minute, this isn't how you're supposed to feel after you eat. <laughs> it's just, it's so crazy to me that changing that one little habit of negative self-talk released so much stress and tension and emotion from your body that you were able to drop weight like that. Yeah. We're just, our bodies are programmed to keep us safe and to keep us surviving and making that one little change can be so life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm still working on the perfectionist part. Um, <laughs> I, <me> thought too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had that pretty well licked, but I still feel like, you know, there's some lingering fingers of that hanging on. But, um, and it's not just even people who have been abused. It's everybody has these unconscious beliefs that are running the program that, you don't even realize they're sabotaging you and they're not even your beliefs. They are things that have been installed in you by your parents, your grandparents, your teachers, your pastors, your preachers, the government, the police, you know, whoever of people of authority that at the time may have been okay. And whatever feeling you attached to that at the time became an unconscious belief and is still running in the, in the background. And it may no longer be serving you, but it's stopping you from living your life the way you want to live it. I talk to these ladies all the time who are still in narcissistic relationships and are, I don't know that I can leave. I want to go back. I miss them. And just even some of them that are saying I'm to the point I'm done, I want to take my life. And I'm just like, I feel for them so deeply that I just want to reach out and tell them, no, you, you're just we all we had to do was change a couple of beliefs in you and it's so easy and that's the thing with nlp is you don't have to relive all of the stuff that you've been through to change those beliefs you don't have to sit in a counselor's office and rehash every incident 
and replay everything in your mind to get past it and heal from it. Absolutely. Exactly. I told my mentor, I said, this is something, this is something I have been looking my entire life. I've been looking for this. I never, never knew what it was. It blew my mind. There are some things you have to do when you do coaching with NLP that can be really difficult, but the difficulty is there to help you change the unconscious belief and release it. We make it for you to do your unconscious belief more difficult so that it's easier to release it, if that makes sense. You put in the work, you put in the effort so that like the reward is greater than the risk, if that makes sense. Right. The behavior becomes so much more difficult with the tasking that we give you in NLP that you no longer want to do that behavior. So it changes into something else. And it's usually, and we install a, a more positive, better belief for you. And it's easier for you to do that belief. That's incredible. So as long as you're willing to do that work and get that new positive belief, then there's no stopping you. You're basically just reprogramming your brain to stop believing the crap and the nasty things and the negative messages that we're being told by our abusers and in our past by other people. You're just rewriting them. It stinks because you have to try and remember all the horrible things that they've said to you. But once you remember them all, you can rewrite them. And I just think that's awesome. And then you're, you're healthier and happier and live lighter and that heaviness on your shoulders and in your chest just isn't there anymore. Totally agree. Absolutely. I know it's, it's been a a life changer for me. Um, Even with my massage therapy business, releasing all of that negative self-talk and unconscious beliefs, my massage therapy business is taking off again. Um, Yeah. I've I've reached a new, a new height with that. When I first started I've been on my, in a private practice on my own um, for five years. And um, for the first two or three years, I have never been able to get booked out beyond a certain point. And then things would start to wane off a little bit. And, and it's that whole self-sabotaging thing. You know, I get to a point where I, I believe I can't do any better than that. I did my breakthrough session and releasing a lot of that stuff. And one of, one of the, the limiting beliefs I had um, from the abuse is, if you can't see me, you, you can't humiliate me, so you can't abuse me. So unconsciously, I was doing things so people couldn't see me. So I only had a certain amount of people who were coming to my business or could see my business. So my business plateaued at a certain point. Releasing all of those negative beliefs and in, in self-sabotaging behaviors, within two weeks, my business became booked out four weeks in advance. Hey, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and, it, it's, and it's like, how can that happen? How does that work? And, and you stop doing the things. And I don't even know what they were, but just stop doing the things that were holding me back from other people seeing who I am and my, my work and, and seeing my business. And like I said, it, all it took was two weeks. And it, it just, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is all it took. <laughs> You know, I spent half my life in abusive relationships and feeling shitty and crappy about myself and and nobody loves me. And for six years of my life, thinking my parents were the worst people on earth and I can't believe they raised me the way they did. And, you know, oh my God, my sisters are, are so bad. And knowing that his belief 
of trying to whatever his belief was of trying you know his narcissistic behavior of isolating me to try to control me and letting him do that in installing those negative beliefs in hindsight you can heal from this you can have whatever you want you can be whoever you are and whoever you want to be and it's okay and if people who don't agree with you or accept you for who you are and who you want to be. And it's okay to walk away from them. There are more people in the world to associate with in having your tribe. Yes. <laughs> High five, right? <laughs> it's true. It's everything you said is true. I, I agree a hundred percent. It's so hard to see it when you're in it. Like you had said earlier, but when you're out of it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I let this person get away with all of that. I mean, when you were telling your story about your high school sweetheart, it really sent me back to my, my first abusive relationship. A lot of the things were the same. You know, we started off great and thoughtful and charming. And then it just like snap changed. And then it was the demeaning. And But when I was there, all I could think about was... I know him. I know him deep down and, and he's charming and kind and considerate, but he's not. He was showing me his true colors, hiding in plain sight. And so was yours, you know, and so do all narcissists. First, they hook us and then they show their true colors. But exactly. There yeah. are people like, but like you said, there are people out there who will love you and accept you for who you are and encourage you not to sacrifice yourself for somebody else. So you're in a healthy relationship now, which is incredible and you deserve it. So awesome. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Can you tell us a little bit about how it feels? Does it feel different? Yeah. Wow. To be able to have a conversation about something that you, you disagree about, an actual, an actual adult conversation. There's no yelling. There's no swearing. There's no name calling coming to a peaceful resolution in, in just a conversation. The first time that happened, I'm just like, wow, that's real. We can do that. <laughs> uh, it's a it's foreign just, concept, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely having the ability to laugh at him and at myself and at us. And the amount of laughter in the house has been so great. I mean, I truly believe laughter is the best medicine. For 23 years, there wasn't much laughter. And everything was so serious and everything was so, so dull. Seeing everything with a brighter view, I guess, a brighter vision, a brighter lens. Enjoying life again. Experiencing life again. Experiencing what it really feels like to be loved. And not have to change myself to think I'm being loved. And he accepts all my flaws. I accept his and it's okay. Good. I'm so happy that you found that. You know, it's amazing. And I'm sure it feels extra amazing having endured what you endured for so long and finally having somebody to come home to that's just easy. It is in the support and the uplifting and when I chose to, to open my business, he was all for it. And he was right there looking for places, you know, spaces with me and painting walls and putting up trim and, you know, just it, being able to depend on him 
is huge because ex narc number two, I couldn't ask him to do anything because he would tell me no or would never follow through. And I would always have to figure out how to get these things done on my own. And if I have to hire contractors to come in here and do all this stuff, I don't know that I can afford that. My partner now, he's like, yeah, I can help you. Do you want me to pay you? And he's no, <laughs> do it because I love you. Oh. And I don't have to beg him to come to my family functions. Just, yeah, let's go to your mom's house. Let's just go visit. Okay, cool. Ex-narc number one, the day my sister got married, he showed up at the church and says, I don't feel good. I'm going home and bailed out on my, you know, on my sister's wedding. It's just stuff like that with both of them. We'd, we'd have plans for two weeks in the day of, oh, no, I'm not going. Well, what do you mean you're not going? Everybody thinks you're coming. And then have to go and make excuses. Right. You know, in, in uh, not having to do that now and having him be the one to say, yeah, let's go visit your mom. Yeah, all those things. It's like the, the little things are bigger than the big things. Right. Yeah. Like the little things kind of create the big thing. So we look at little things like, oh, well, sometimes when my partner is mad, they, you know, lash out at me. But it's only when they're angry. It might seem like a little thing, but like that's a big thing. So I know you kind of started to talk about this before, but um, what advice do you have for survivors? For myself, the biggest things for me, knowing that there's something better, but not knowing how, how to get to the better like I said, I started with the guided meditations and the Louise Hayes. I think the book is called You Can Heal Yourself, I think is what it was called. She's got so much stuff out there that's so great. Um, but the mirror work that she talks about, standing in front of a mirror, looking yourself in the eyes and actually looking yourself in the eyes and telling yourself, I love you. You're perfect the way you are and doing it no matter what comes up. You may not believe it at first. Acknowledge the feelings. Tell them, thank you. You no longer serve me. I don't need you. And then tell yourself, I love you again. That's huge. Finally, being able to do it without bawling, without the, the deep emotions welling up and the, well, no, you don't. You know, nobody loves you you know, all of that negative self-talk running in the head, being able to finally do that was huge. Exercising, getting those endorphins moving to help get you out of the bad feelings is, is also important. Finding a support system, finally being able to turn back to my family and, and knowing that they are, are actually very good people. There was nothing ever wrong with my family. And being able to depend on them and, so, and have them support me is huge. So find a support system. There are people out there that are willing to help you. You, me, other people who have been through it. There are places that you can turn to for help if you don't have a personal support system. Please reach out and find them. Some of the other things, like I said, were the, was the NLP in, in releasing all of that negative behaviors and the self-sabotaging and, and bringing all that to awareness is, is huge. That was all really good advice. And there was like a lot of steps too. Like you can, anybody can relate to all of those things. So. Yeah, they're easy. Find the guided meditations that you resonate with. You're going to evolve and, and move forward. So the one that you start with isn't always going to be the one you're going to stick with. There are some great medita guided meditations on YouTube. They're all I am's. 
I am, I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am whatever. I still listen to those. My, the first 30, 45 minutes of my mornings are listening to guided meditations. It's not something that I just did to heal and move on. I, I do it every day. And that's such a great routine to be in. So how can listeners get in touch with you if they want help with coaching or NLP or just to chat? So you can email me at therapy by Carrie and Carrie is spelled K-A-R-R-I-E at AOL.com. Same name on Facebook. Please feel free to reach out to me via email, Facebook. I'm on Instagram under therapy underscore by underscore Carrie. Yeah, those are the main ways to get a hold of me. And I'm more than happy to talk to you help you through anything, set you up with coaching, whatever. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story and giving us a lot of insight onto some really common and impactful red flags that a lot of people endure and don't even realize and giving us a taste of NLP and some awesome advice. I'm so happy to have had you here and to get to chat with you. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Marissa. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.